0: Welcome to Trine Days, The Journey Conversations with publisher Chris Milligan, episode 51 with Sarah Whalen about her book, Royal Vengeance, the assassination of Princess Diana and the ancient royal cult of human sacrifice.
1: The king is lauded for however long the cycle is seven years, you get to live very high. And then, seven, nine years into it, all of a sudden, People are kind of scratching their heads and going, oh, you look a little old, you know, maybe it's time to chop you. And uh, so the strategies that royals devise to avoid being chopped, they're interesting. But someone like Rufus the Red, Rufus actually submits to being killed. His head isn't chopped off. He's shot with an arrow. Apparently Rufus knew he was going to be killed. And the weird thing is they killed the king they did immediately flee the country, but they were, not, they were not pursued. And the idea was that they did what had to be done and the king had to die. And then his body is put in a cart and brought to Winchester, supposedly bleeding all the way. And people are, you know, throwing flowers at him and taking pieces of cloth and dipping in his blood because it's considered a very sacred thing.
0: You know, I mean, you talk about how, you know, when, when Caesar first went to Britain, you know, the, the Druids were there and they talked about the, the Druids doing doing sacrifices. And then uh, you mentioned about uh, I think there was a Spanish ambassador and maybe an Italian ambassador uh, for Henry Eighth that talk about how he was killing people. And it, it was their peculiar way. Yes. And, uh, talk about their, their churches. They, they have their, their peculiars, whatever you call them.
1: Yes, the royal family has private churches. Most people don't know this. You know, they say, "Oh, the royal wedding is on TV. You can watch it." Look, we're at, uh, you know, St. Paul's Cathedral, which is where Charles and Diana get married, or we're at uh, Westminster Abbey, which traditionally is where most royals did get married. With Charles and Diana, I think they chose St. Paul's. They'll say, "Oh, the acoustics are better. It's bigger. We can have more people." St. Paul's Cathedral is built on an ancient altar to Diana. And, you know, until quite recently, that was considered a fact of English history. Now people are disputing it. Of course, they very knowingly built the first St. Paul's Cathedral on top of an older church, which was built on top of this temple to Diana, where her altar was, an altar meaning that's where you put the sacrifice. It's not like a Christian altar where you have candles and a cross and some flowers. You did your sacrifice there, whether it was a burnt offering or you know a vegetable offering, you put it down. and if it was a blood sacrifice, there would be little hatch marks on the stone and blood obviously from an animal or a person. So uh, this place was marked. And it was, it was well known. And of course, the idea was that Charles is Apollo and Diana is Diana, who's considered, she's always associated with the moon. Apollo is associated with the sun. And so you had this union, you know, of sun and moon. It was supposed to be something really extraordinary. And of course it was for as long as it lasted. And it put on an enormous, impressive show, but it wasn't just the opera and the stuff that went on in the service. I mean, there was something happening in that place. And again, it's just really ancient and people started behaving in very ancient ways. You know, thinking these people are godlike and bowing and genuflecting and and elevating them to extraordinarily high level. You know, Charles and Diana weren't exactly able didn't have the knowledge or the fortitude to kind of carry out what their real roles were. But other kings and queens certainly have done that. Henry VIII, some people would say, well, he's just a serial killer. No, Henry VIII ruled for a very long time and he knew what the traditions were, even though no one was talking about them anymore. And if you look at the people that he executed and his daughter Elizabeth did the same, and they were very careful even to keep people in prison a very long time before executing them for seemingly no reason. Like Sir Walter Raleigh was a threat to anyone, but I think they kept him in there in order to complete a cycle. And then they would bring him out, chop. And then they were good for another seven years. Uh, It's a radical theory, you know, and I, I do expect to get punched around a bit over it but I think I've really researched the theory. It certainly makes a lot of sense. And you know, just from a forensics point of view, I started looking at Princess Diana's accident because I remember thinking this was a person who had become an enormous threat to what you would call the core ruling family. And uh, I remember watching the Panorama interview on television. It came on right after Thanksgiving. think in 1995 and I was sitting there watching it with my family and I said uh they're going to kill her within 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 the year I think I said six months I I I think I said a year I was off by six months it took a year and a half and and my family was like well what do you mean yeah these were my in-laws and they were like oh you have just some of those crazy old ideas I said they're going to kill her They're gonna make it look like an automobile accident or a heart attack or something, they will kill her because first of all, someone's gotta go. And I'd already been looking at the royal family and seeing people who died in some pretty strange accidents who were around them. And of course you control the whole scene. I mean, the police swear their allegiance to the queen The investigators of Scotland Yard, they don't work for you, the democracy, they take an oath to the crown. That's who they protect. That's why there are little crowns all over the stuff they have. Even Parliament, I mean, the stuff they do is secret, and their loyalty is to the crown. And that is not much explored in it only among you know people who you would call rabid Republicans in England, who are people who just want the monarchy abolished which never were as dedicated as they are i mean there's just the tradition is too esoteric and it's too steeped right and you see at funerals i mean look at the funeral the the outpouring i mean this is something that goes back to people would say medieval times but of course it's
0: much much older than medieval times right well you 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 show in the book how they were really hoping that Diana would really elevate the whole royal family. And, but she just kind of didn't go along with the program. And I, I found it was very interesting. There was a quote from one of her relatives that said, Diana, I, I don't think you should really marry them. They, they think and do things differently.
1: That was a very oblique warning from her maternal grandmother who understood the Royals very well. Ruth Fermoy had been a close friend of Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, who of course was married to Queen Elizabeth's father. And they have something, it's what I call the inner secret circle. It's not any one particular group, but there are these people who who have supported the Royals for, they go back thousands of years, honestly. You know, they know themselves it's not without risk, like the Howard family, still very close to the British royals. And for centuries, they supplied willing victims for the royals to chop. Howard's, I mean, Anne Boleyn was fundamentally a Howard. Catherine Howard was Anne Boleyn's cousin. She was a Howard. Henry executed both those people. And you know, if you look at the court records, you'll see all this blabbering about adultery and, you know, previous engagements. None of this was really grounds for executing anyone. But at that time, things had evolved politically to the point where the monarch could no longer willy-nilly just grab someone. Even Charles II had a trial before they they cut his head off. But again, you know, just doing the act really keeps the ritual going in the minds of people, even though they don't necessarily understand where the ritual is coming from. The repetition, the kind of the horror of it, that sort of imprinting. You know, at the time, people were limited. You could do a painting of it. You could do an engraving. You might write something. You know, last words were always big things to be publishing. Nowadays, of course, you know, you look at something like nine one one. Everyone in the world sees it. Everyone is imprinted by the horror of that huge sacrifice, and it does. I mean, it, it changes mindset. People become more obedient for a period of time. They become more quiet. Uh, they realize there's a price to be had for questioning.
0: Well, I and, thought it was I, very, very interesting too that you you made the point of how. Uh, when Diana died, there was these big crowds and, and everything. And then soon after that, uh, Queen Elizabeth had a, a birthday or something. And, and again, the crowds went for, you know, long live the, the queen. So it was kind of like a- uh, She had know. another cycle. Right. She's,
1: given, she's given, you know, a cycle. And if you start adding the years up, you'll see people close to Diana, like her former police guard, who was her lover. He dies an extremely bizarre death where his spine is broken in a bizarre car crash where he's on a motorcycle. And the girl, a 17-year-old who supposedly hit him with her car, she says that another car pulled out in front of her and she could not see Manneke on the motorbike until that car pulled away. And then it was too late to stop. Her name is Nicola Chop. Uh, she changed her original testimony. I think initially she and her mother were very frightened that you know she might be imprisoned and apparently the police were, were rough with both of them. but after Diana was killed they came forward and they started talking. and for that reason uh, I think their testimony was read at the inquest of Diana. but even for, for Diana the death of Maniche was was always a mystery. She believed he'd been bumped off. And, you know, it's it's easy to bump off these people on the fringe. So we'll easy Prince to stage Charles, these crazy road accidents.
0: Will Prince Charles be king and will Camilla be a queen or a queen consort or what? what's gonna happen? Well,
1: she's his wife. So her proper title is queen consort, just like the queen mother was her husband's queen consort. But, uh, you know, initially it was thought Charles said he was going to have Diana called princess consort. And I might add Charles seems extremely confident that he is going to be crowned. And I think people will put up with it because of his age and they're used to him. And they know they wanna give William a chance at some kind of normal family life and to kind of slide into his role. I think what was unanticipated was the little family crisis with the brother, Prince Harry and his new wife, but that sort of solidifies Charles's role. Charles is going to take charge of the family. He's probably a billionaire. I mean, they own, the real estate holdings are enormous. Most of London is owned by them. Most farmland is owned by them. They have corporations, have a lot of people running it, but it's an enormously wealthy family and they are powerful. I mean, Charles has whole towns that he owns, and he's proud of it. He even joked that he wanted to be crowned king of Transylvania. He traces his descent back to Vlad the Impaler. It's not a joke. He, the, I think Queen Mary had a Romanian line in her family that goes directly to Vlad the Impaler. And so he, he makes jokes, he talks about Dracula and says he has a stake in the country. He's, he's been to Transylvania several times and he owns property there. And there was some talk about making Charles their king, probably for tourism, but who knows? I mean, it's remarks like that where you start seeing, these people have kind of a peculiar edge, but bringing that back to the peculiars, they own their own churches. St. Paul's is owned by the queen. It is her private church. So is Westminster Abbey. If you tried to get married there, you couldn't. If you're Catholic, you can get married in the Vatican. If, if you, you know, tell them what chapel you want to be, and you're not going to have a, it's an enormous place. And they have a lot of places where people do get married, but you cannot get married In the peculiar without the permission of the queen you can't get a funeral there either and they open services sometimes but not all peculiars are open to the public sometimes they do sometimes they don't i think there are about 11 or 12 churches that are strictly the queen's private church or the monarch whoever whoever is the monarch at the time that's and the clergy is not answerable to any higher authority she appoints her own clergy so they do whatever she tells them to do and that's why sometimes you can catch some weird things like i forget where it was i don't know maybe it was the wedding of sarah and andrew there was some weird robe i'll have to look it up there was a pentagram
0: that well, was pointed the wrong way down right you make the point too that uh... Harry and uh, William, they aren't really married to royals per se. And, no. and, and the, the royals kind of have, have shut their door. So, I mean, they, they know something is up. And the Howard family has given many victims, you know,
1: not, maybe not 50, but considerable the fruit of these families has died, been killed for these customs. And, you know, modern, when they see Princess Diana getting killed the way she did. I mean, this is a woman who didn't just die in an automobile accident. This is a woman who was prevented from going to the hospital. She survived that accident. She had a tear in her pulmonary vein. She she had a better than 50% chance of living. And given the state of her health, which was very high, she could have probably lived. Uh, There's been much written on it. Instead, they delayed her an hour and a half getting to the hospital. They just kept her in the road in an ambulance, her chest cavity filled with blood. There was no way for the blood to circulate when she got to the hospital. They did heart massage for hours. They had to give it up. That was a deliberate, I think, murder. And they wanted it to look good. Look, they take an hour cutting the top of the Mercedes off. They didn't need to do that to get Diana out. She was in the back seat. She was fine. The roof was not impeding them taking her out of the car. But they just spent all that time. I believe it was deliberate. You know, there was a great guy, John Morgan, and he wrote a series of fascinating books on the murder of Diana. Witnesses saw right after the accident, Two men on a motorbike go up to the car. One got out, took a look in the car, made across across his chest to indicate people were dead. Apparently that's like some sort of signal in the military you give when you're checking to see if a vehicle has live people in it or not. And Morgan thinks they did something before they drove off. And then a minute later, a French doctor comes by who's supposedly an emergency medical guy who's trained to do this. And all he has in his car is an oxygen mask and a blood pressure cuff. And he shows up just like magic. Oh, I'm coming from a dinner party. Morgan's theory was that this was a really elaborate charade. And the idea was to waste the time. And, and you know, even in the ambulance, apparently they stopped. I mean, the reporters couldn't believe it. They were on scooters. You know, by that time, following the ambulance, they had to stop the scooter, get off and walk it because the ambulance was going so slow. Otherwise, they would have they would have overtaken the ambulance. They wow. did it deliberately. And you of course, in his accident, he's killed instantly. You have people like Hugh Lindsay, who are killed in a freak avalanche. Then you have this other woman who supposedly is. Prince Charles's uh, goddaughter, uh, Tara Palmer Tompkinson. and she is found dead in her apartment. Another woman who is James Gilby's fiance, found dead in her apartment. The people who are close to the crown but not part of the inner secret circle, these people are all potential victims. And I think that there is a growing consciousness among the aristocracy they don't want to hang their children out anymore for that there's nothing in it for them and they've been doing it for a thousand years so yes now you have prince harry and prince william going out to real commoners people who are not aristocrats not nobles you know in the beginning people said oh you know lady diana was a commoner she wasn't royal but she came from a long line you know, that her father claimed they descended from the Saxons. Most people find they descend around the time of William the Conqueror, but still they've been in England a very long time and they have played the game and people aren't going to play the game anymore. Too many people are dying and too much is being written. You know, along with this mind control stuff, the same system that creates this massive sort of befuddlement when you see something like nine one one, it also opens the door for ordinary people to say, "Hey, wait a minute, you know this doesn't look right to me. How did all this happen? And just like with your uh, with your Kennedy assassination groups, people start putting their heads together and they have computers and and they're intelligent. They start inquiring and so then and now they can publish That's whereas before no publisher would take their stuff
0: that's why trying day came about was to yeah and 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 the book is royal vengeance the assassination of princess diana and the ancient royal cult of human sacrifice and it is a fantastic book a very deep book and we are uh, releasing it a chapter about each month until the whole book comes out in uh december you know we've got a we've got a Facebook page where people can find it. They can also find it at, at trinedaily.com. Uh, Sarah, I, I mean, I can't say enough about your deep dive. I mean, it is you had to have scuba gear as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. And uh, Bruce, do, do you have a, a question for for Sarah? I do, Sarah. Would you clarify? I think I heard the Ro- the king instead of uh, succumbing to being ritually killed themselves, they find a substitute. Is there any other reason for so many sacrifices?
1: The direct answer is yes. I mean, it goes back to this tradition, and people used to sacrifice a lot. Margaret Murray, you know, she wrote this very popular book in the 60s and published it. And I personally think that the royal family went and bought every single copy of it. because it it, She wrote three yeah. books uh-huh. about the witch cult in Europe, which she traced back to ancient Dianic practices. She really yeah. understood a lot about these cycles, which she yeah. saw in, you know, ancient Egyptian times as well. What you do have though, the pattern she nailed down in England, it was seven years in France. It was longer, nine years. And certain months were sacrificial months. July was one Uh, August was one November was one. And it would have had more significance a thousand years ago than it does now. But most people will, will tie Diana's death date in to these months that are considered sacrificial months and and kind of
0: dangerous for average people. And speaking of November, that's when uh, Kennedy got shot. Yes. Why don't you tell them about King Oswald? Well, Oswald, you know, the Oz Kings of
1: England, the name Oswald itself, I mean, that goes back to pre-medieval England where the Oz were the Kings. I mean, Oz is a word that meant divine. And people who were on this line of Oswald, they descended from divine kings. And, you know, Wald could have a lot of their, their linguists who, who study what these words meant at the time. Nowadays, with a vault, could be a forest. You know, and of course, traditionally, like Rufus the Red, the king was killed in the forest, which is a mystical place. I mean, the forest, if you, if you look at James Campbell, forest is where all mystical things happen. If it's not happening in a cave, it's happening in a forest. I think that Jung would find a pattern. You know, it would take a lot of work, but I think that Carl Jung, uh, I think his life work, with archetypes was to kind of locate these patterns. Not an easy thing to do and I don't pretend to have done it completely, but I think I'm on the trail to something significant. I think Charles, Prince Charles is well aware of it. He's a trained Jungian, most people don't realize it, but he not only had years of psychotherapy with Jungian therapists, but his his close friend and mentor knew Carl Jung personally. Charles
0: is well aware of his situation. These rituals are about you know smashing the archetype and then bringing it back up differently. Right
1: yeah I you know and it's weird like uh I got a little edgy when I think Harry his wife recently gave birth to a daughter who they call Lilibet Diana That's maybe not a great name to choose, honestly. It's a name, you know, they they appear to be separate from this system. It's like putting your toe in the water at Nimi. You say, oh, I don't want to sacrifice at the altar. but Let me put my toe in the sacred water and kind of see what happens. And, you know, so... Uh, all i can say is it's a very it's like it's like euripides if euripides were alive he would be writing plays about all of this and they would be they would be being performed at, at you know mystical uh, extravaganzas whenever the mystery cult gets together they would perform the play because it's a repetition of what happened before they don't have movies back in euripides day but if they did i mean he could easily have written eyes wide shut you know i mean it's that's a modern mystery play i think and it tells you a lot about these elites and and royals are certainly part of that system in fact stanley kubrick left a lot of hints you know, he never addressed the issue of royalty directly, but that was done on purpose because if it had been filmed in England, he would have been in trouble. So instead they move it to New York. Yeah. And uh, But I think Kubrick knew very well that system and yeah. understood it.
0: Well, Sarah, I really appreciate this. I mean, uh, it's very enlightening.
1: Thank you. I just want to say, you know, when I first met Chris, I just, you know, live in New Orleans. I opened the newspaper one day and there was an article and it said that a group was going to celebrate Oswald's birthday. And I was so blown away. I said, I have to go to this, you know, because Oswald's always been the bad guy. But just look at him. I mean, he's a little nobody. He's and, and not a nobody, but I mean, he's not. He's not the murderous assassin. He's not the king who's going to kill the other king to become the king. That's a manipulation, but certainly his name, Oswald, I, it may have had a lot to do with why he was selected for that role. And I really do feel you know, like there was a repetition of that, of killing the king in the lake at Mimi for the altar of Diana. I, I don't think Oswald really had a clue But, you know, he he was a patsy and that's what he said. But I loved, that's how I met you. And I just said, I have to go to this. These are interesting people.
0: Well, I'm very glad you came. Okay, onwards.
1: Onwards.